E.E. E. Cummings wrote, it takes courage to grow up to become who you really are. Welcome to the Soul Big Life Show. I'm your host, Leah Bales. Each week, we offer soulful strategies to empower all of us to become more and more fully who we really are. Today's episode was originally broadcast on my We Are More radio show on the Amazing Women of Power Network with Raven International Media Productions. Today, I'm delighted to bring it to our, you as our guest, Marta Williams. Hey, Marta, welcome. Hi, Leah. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, so glad you're here. Marta is a biologist, author, and animal communicator. She's written four books on animal communication. My Animal Myself, Ask Your Animal, Beyond Words, and Learning Their Language. She lives in Northern California, teaches classes in person and via teleclass, and provides consultations for you and your animal by phone, Skype, and email. The last month I was sick with the flu, and I read Marta's book, Beyond Words, Talking with Animals in Nature. And it actually made having the flu worthwhile and even fun just to be able to lie in bed all day and read this inspiring book. Marta, I'm so very glad you're here. Well, again, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You don't have to have the flu to read my book, though. <laughs> That's very true. You can true. read it when you're healthy, too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It just gave me a day when I could do that all day. It was so great. So Marta, you worked as a biologist for many years, and I'm really intrigued by your transition to becoming an animal communicator. Tell us how that happened. Right. I, I talk about it on my website and in my first book, Learning Their Language, that as a biologist, I was working, uh, I'm really an environmentalist first, biologist second, sort of. So I've always been concerned about how to help the planet and how to help the animals and how to help nature. That's been something I've been concerned about since I was a teenager. And I was doing work like to clean up hazardous waste sites and do environmental impact reports. I was doing creek restoration. I was doing wildlife rehabilitation. All interesting sounding jobs, but from my perspective, not enough to really fix the problems that we have in our world right now, which are considerably worse than when I was a teenager. And I just kept on sort of saying to the universe, what do I need to be doing? And I got, when you do that, that, that rhetorical question to the universe, you get led. So I got led down the rabbit hole, you know, and, and it was, well, you need to change consciousness because I was studying the Hopi prophecy. And then I said, well, how do I do that? And then I went on a vision quest. And on the vision quest, I found out that there was actually someone teaching how to do animal communication, which heretofore I had thought was just science fiction. Nice science fiction, but not possible, which is what everybody's been taught. That's not possible. It's not real. And so when I realized that it was something real, I went and took a class and I didn't actually learn how to do it in that class, but I learned that I was hooked. You know, I got bitten by the bug. And so I thought, this is something that's going to change people's consciousness about nature and about the earth and about animals. And it, it, it quite frankly does change your consciousness when you learn how to do this. So it was the right path. And, and I've been on that path ever since. So you talk about changing your consciousness. What inside yourself did you have to change to be able to step fully into this new ability? 
Well, I had to be willing to take chances. That's pretty much what it came down to. And I also had to be willing to do something that at the time, you know, I started doing this in 1989, the world thought was really stupid and would make fun of. Oh, you're like Dr. Doolittle, huh? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I had to be willing to be ridiculed because it was so fascinating to me. I just thought, well, I don't care. These people just don't get it. And then I had to be willing to do something that was very risky with absolutely no guarantee that it would support me financially. Because the jobs I had as a, like a project manager for a super fun cleanup site, you know, that I, if I kept doing that, I'd be in clover and have a retirement policy, you know, but I, I just said, that's just not going to really do enough good. So those were probably the two things I had to change. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really interested in that process. You were like, you had this direction that you needed to do this and you didn't know how, and you kept asking, what's my next step? What do I do next? Yeah. I don't know that I I consciously was asking at that point in my life. Now I get it that when you ask, you get, if you ask the universe, I call it the universe, you know, you can call it whatever you want for answers. You get them if you pay attention. I know that now. So I do that all the time. And I tell all my clients to do that. All my students, you know, if you're stuck, go out and do the rhetorical universe. What would it take to fix this? What would it take to turn this around? And then you pay attention and you're going to get signs from nature, from something. It's going to come in and go, boom, try this, you know, and you just have to stay awake and alert and you'll see the signs. But at the time, I, I didn't really understand that process. I just followed it. So basically what I was doing, Leah, was I was following what my heart <clears throat> told me to do. And that's the advice I give people these days is do what you really, really want to do. And don't do what you don't want to do. You know, do what you love to do. Because that's going to take you on the right path. Marta, you talk about communicating with animals as an ancient skill that people used to have. Tell us more about that. Right. Well, I probably more than anybody else in this field have done a whole bunch of research because I'm a researcher. I'm an academic. I, you know, I'm, and, and I love to research. That's my favorite thing to do. I love to Google. So, so I said, well, especially for that book that you read beyond words when you were in bed, that's, that's the book where I said, okay, I'm going to go on a quest to find everything that's been written about this in terms of indigenous populations. And it, and there hasn't been much because indigenous culture is an oral culture, not a written culture, but there was in particular one guy named Ronald Rose who back in 1950, studied, got a grant from the Psychic Institute to study Aborigines for eight years. And he hung out with Aborigines. And in those days, the tribes were still intact, right? And looked at how did they use psychic ability and what he, to communicate, because the tribes were 100 miles distant from each other. But they always seemed to know, you know, so-and-so just died or so-and-so just got married. And he would go, well, how, how do you know that? And this old guy would say, well, my kookaburra told me, meaning his animal ally told him. And so then Ronald would jump in a truck and head out 100 miles to go check and see if it was true. And it was always true, whatever they said. They had no way of knowing. 
they weren't doing smoke signals or anything else, you know. So it was a pretty cool study. And the other person who I found, so needless to say, there was not much written about this in terms of antiquity. But the other person who I ran into, and I talk about him beyond words, is a guy who died way too young, really cool guy. Um, oh, God, I always forget his name. But anyway, he was studying at UC Berkeley. He was part Indian. He taught Sioux language. He was studying linguistics, physics, and metaphysics. And he and his friend, uh, he had a graduate student friend, did some experiments to determine that this is something that we do naturally. We do it all the time. We just don't know it. So whenever we talk, we're actually um, forming pictures and feelings and words in our head and transmitting those at the same time. We just don't realize it. And so his contention is that this is something that preceded spoken word, that before spoken word, everybody communicated intuitively or telepathically with were mental words, images, feelings, etc. So, and so at, that, really, at that point, then you, from this line of belief and thinking, we were communicating that way with other people as well as nature and the world nature. around us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it's the, so what he calls it, and I'm really sorry, I'm getting a, a mental blank about his name, but I'll remember it eventually, but it is in that book and he's, he didn't write anything. So there's nothing you can go look up. You have to read my book to find out about it. And then he died. So hello. But what he's saying is this is the language of all life. Mm -hmm. And it was the original language and it's, it is the universal language, not Esperanto or anything else. You know, intuitive communication is the universal language. So how do we lose that ability? Well, good question. It's probably impossible to say, and different people make different theories about it. Some people, some researchers say, oh, it's because we got the written word and then that kind of wiped out all this, this intuitive ability or oral tradition. I think it's more that, I believe that pagan cultures, for example, were still very much connected intuitively with animals and nature, and that it was commonplace. And if you go back to some of the still existing tribes that are, you know, from ancient times, like the Koji, for example, and you said to them, or probably some of the South American tribes, and you said to them, hey, do you talk to animals in nature? They go, yeah, don't you? What's wrong with you guys, you know? So I think modern culture over the last 8,000 years, the way that it has developed has been to squelch nature, uh, women, and healing, you know, healing arts. I mean, everybody's pretty much aware of these processes that went on. And it, and it served to inhibit everything that had to do with nature had to do with the goddess had to do with multiple you know deities in nature all of that pagan tradition got wiped out by the patriarchal tradition and i think in that process we lost this you mentioned a little while ago that when you first started practicing animal communication it was so weird it was like people had hardly even heard of it and mm -hmm. it seems like that's shifting some over these 20 Oh, yeah, that's totally shifted now because, mm -hmm. I mean, there was the lady who was on Animal Planet, the pet psychic. You know, I wasn't, like, really 
enamored of her, but she did a great service because she brought it to the world and, and people would be like, oh, that's cool, you know. And and really, animal lovers are driving that because they have, you know, the people who've worked with communicators and had a good experience, not that you're going to have a good experience with everyone, but same thing with psychics, same thing with haircutters, let me tell you. But the people who've had good experience are like, oh, that was incredible. I got so much insight or I got so much help or my dog's behavior problem changed right away or whatever that it's caught on all over the world. So now there's hundreds of thousands of people doing it and, you know, millions of people looking for help with their animals this way. So that's a, a, a sea change from the early 90s. And that's only what, you know, almost about 20 years. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> you also write about it being not just our pets. I think most people who have pets have a sense that probably there's more communication going on than we've usually been taught there is in a rational way. So people have that sense with their pets. But I, it seems to me that there's more resistance to thinking that maybe we could also have communication with trees or rivers or wild animals. But your work really does include that, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I have a class that I teach called Talking with Wildlife and Nature. And, and I, I absolutely believe that you can speak with anything that you believe has life force. And so that there's a saying, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's like, it's all sentient. It's all feeling. It's all relative, meaning everything is our relative. Everything has intelligence. Everything has an aware, self-awareness. Everything has um, spirit, right? Mm -hmm. I absolutely subscribe to that belief, and I and I and I teach people how to do this with any anything in nature that they want to work with. So, for example, um, people who have gardens that they want to enhance could use this to work with their plants and work with their soil. And I've, and I've had people do that to, to great advantage. You know? tell, us, tell us a story about that, about people and their plants. Well, um, before I tell you that story, I will say that my, my memory finally kicked in. <laughs> what is it, like five-minute delay? And the guy's name is Danny Mulford, M-U-L-F-O-R-D. Everything I learned about him I got on the Internet because he did not publish anything, but his friend put some of his works up posthumously. They may or may not still be up, but I basically printed them off and I summarized them for my, in my book. So yeah. that's just FYI. So one of the things that I did was, I have gone to teach all over the world and I worked in Holland one year with a farmer <clears throat> who had gone to my class and he, the year previously, and then he decided to work with his cows. He's a organic cheese maker, work with his cows to make them happier because they were all sick and he was getting really tired of all the typical medical procedures that weren't working anyway. And he was really frustrated. So he said, okay, let's just try something completely different, you know? So he's talked to all the cows, what do you need to get better? And he started using homeopathy and the cows told him how they wanted the barn to be. So he rebuilt a new barn exactly the way the cows told him that they wanted it. And he changed his practices so that the babies stayed with the moms longer. And even when they separated, the moms could still hear the babies. And so they 
and they let the cows be out more and they let the cows be free. They weren't ever in stalls. And he, and he also talked to his soil, what do you need? And he started doing stuff on the soil that made the soil so healthy and whatever, structurally fit, that he could let his cows out all year long because there were so many earthworms in his soil that the cows didn't sink in to the mud like they do everywhere else in Holland. Wow. So all the other farmers in Holland are like, what the heck are you doing? You know, so there, so then we had a session where we had a bunch of farmers who came to a session to learn how to do this with their farm. So it was really cool. Now that's Holland, you know, so they're much more open to weird stuff than people in the United States, but you could do it here. You know, if there's any organic farmers listening, you could do the same thing and get really good results. And it's so simple what you're talking about on one way. It's so simple and yet it's so completely paradigm changing. And yeah. <laughs> so we're looking at like changing from this idea of like, we know just what the soil needs and we know what our animals need and we're dominating to being, it feels like much more a partner model, partnership. Right. Model. right. Yeah. Wow. And such dramatic changes in such a short time. And from what yeah. I've read and understood, that's the kind of change you see over and over when people make yeah. that shift. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what are... Yeah, I mean, I mean the, you know, I don't think about it that much, but every day I'm helping people have better relationships with their animals and help them make their animals happier. So it's, that's a seed change too. And, and that's going on, you can see in the pet ownership, you know, in horse ownership, dog, cat, horse, people are moving toward natural methods, nonviolent methods, and organic, holistic care, because that's what works. That, you know, people aren't stupid. They're like, well, that worked a lot better than, you know, that $2,000 thing I did, you know, that didn't work, but this is working, right? right. And it's only 10 bucks, you know? hey, that's a good deal. <laughs> right, so they get that experience and find out what happens and they want to keep doing it more. And so bit by bit in that way, you're, you're really making dramatic changes for people. Well, helping. yeah, not me, yeah. Not me yeah. alone. There's plenty of people doing this all over the world now. Yeah, wow. So people, and like I said, you know, in any field, you're going to get good practitioners, bad practitioners. So, you know, you, buyer beware. You really need to check out who you're going to work with. But there are some great people out there doing this. So people can come to you to get consultations, work with their pets, their animals. Yeah. You also teach people to do for themselves to begin to yeah. listen and talk to their animals. Could you tell us the first couple of suggestions you would give us today if we want to become more connected sure. to our pets? Yeah, well, when I teach people, typically, I have them take a beginning class to learn the basic technique. So if people want to really, you know, drill down and learn this, that would be the first step. And I can do that beginning class as a private session. Once they have that private session with me, like by phone or by Skype or whatever, then they can take any of my online classes that I offer. And I offer basically two classes a month. So that's just kind of background info. But <clears throat> if somebody just wants to get started talking with their own animals, um, it is a, it, it can be a bit trickier to do that because we know so much about them. So the first step is to just be willing to record, meaning write down in a journal, whatever you get, regardless of whether you think it's right, 
whether you think you made it up or you wanted your animal to say that, that's irrelevant. So, so you have to be more like, you have to take on two roles. One, a child. Oh, this is so cool. Wow. You know, just, just accept it. Don't question it. And then you also have to take on the role of a court reporter where you just record, record, record. The court reporter doesn't get to go, you know, I don't think that makes sense. I'm not going to write that down. You know, they have to write down everything. So you have to, too, as it, when you're doing intuitive work, the idea is to listen to that inner voice, not critique it. So that can be tricky. But here's something you can do. You can think of a message that you want to send your animal. Like I always say, people think of a compliment. Like, oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful. I just love to look at you, and you're such a pretty kitty. You know? Okay. Compliment. Have, form that in your mind. Have the intention that you send it to your animal through the air, that they receive it mentally, and they get it. They understand it. And then you say to them, do you have a message for me? And you see what you get back. So I just did that with my kitty who's sitting right here and I sent her the message and she said, yes, when is breakfast? <laughs> Very <laughs> practical. Like a true animal, you know? <laughs> yeah, let's get yeah. down to the brass tacks here. When's breakfast? <laughs> so I'm going to just send her the message in about an hour, dear. Okay. So that's how it works. And, and I didn't question if that was really her message because once you do that, you're doomed. You're like, running around on a little hamster track going, is this right? Am I making it up? And especially if you're just working with your own animal, over time you might get stuff that you're like, oh my gosh, that was them, not me. But it's not going to happen right away. When you work with an animal that you don't know, it does happen right away. And that's why I teach talking to your own animal second, beginning communication, you work with an animal you don't know first. Because your brain is like society, and it's sitting there going, oh, yeah, you're Dr. Doolittle, huh? You know, it's making fun of this, because that's what your brain was taught to do. All those so negative voices. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. What, you, what you have to do is learn to get your brain on board, like baby on board. You know, there should be a bumper sticker brain on board, because that's the process. You have to go, okay, brain, this is real. Let me prove it to you. Once you prove it to your brain... It doesn't matter how many people call you Dr. Doolittle. You're like, yeah, whatever, dude. You just don't get how cool this is. Yeah. Once, you you've, had a great, once you've had a great experience with it. Once you've proven it mm -hmm. to yeah. yourself. Well, you I, lo prove it. I love that you're bringing in this part of like that real childlike place. Okay, I'm just going to play with right. this. I'm just going to yeah. do it. And you're bringing in that more scientific part of I'm going to take notes of this and be able to watch That's what right. happens. And, well, you kind of have to put, that's putting the left and right brain together. And quite frankly, when you do this work, that's, the, that's part of the paradigm shift that happens. You learn how to reintegrate your intuition into your body and into your life and into your consciousness. Because it's been excised. Mm -hmm. So I've heard, you, I've heard you say that learning to communicate with animals changes us. So yeah. that's one of the major ways you're saying that it, it brings yeah. the right and left side of our brains, the rational, the irrational, the intuitive, and the, the more, you know, thought. Back kind of into thing. harmony. Mm, wow. Working together. So then what happens, and I tell people, when I, I, I feel like I should have a warning label on my books and a warning label on my classes okay, just realize this can change your life. Because I've had it. I've seen it over and over. People will take 
you know, a class and they'll go, okay, I want to do this. They just like go, okay, this is it. Kind of like what happened to me. You know, they're just like, okay, this is the coolest thing since, you know, ice cream. I got to do this, you know. So that's one thing that can happen. You can completely change your course in life. In the process, you can just, you know, a whole bunch of people have to get left by the wayside because they don't support you. And that could include partners. I've had people get, you know, divorced because their husband was making fun of them. And they're like, you know what? I think we're done. Mm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so that can happen, right? So, I mean, it can, it can totally change your life and send you on a different path. But the reason for that is because when you start paying attention to your intuition, what happens is you start following your right life path because that's all your intuition wants to do here let me show you the way you're supposed to go let me show you the best things for you to do that's what your intuition does and guess what animals already know this and they pay attention to their intuition and they're the ones that went oh my god there's a tsunami coming let's get the hell out of here Mm -hmm. well in my real sense is that when we are following our right life path there are some things that have to fall away there are things we have to let go of and it leads to a much more joyful, yeah. much more purposeful, much more yeah. aligned life. Right. And if you want to, st- if people want to start doing that right now, all they have to do is go, what does my heart want? Mm-hmm. You know, universe, how do I fix this? How do I make it happen? And heart, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Now, what's really sad, Leah, is that some people, when you, when you say, well, if you could be doing whatever you want, what would it be? They go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I've got 10 things that I need to be cloned so I could do them all. Yeah. And sometimes it takes being in that space with people support, but people like you and like me who are holding right. the space for people to do that, right? So that yeah. we know we're not in the habit sometimes in, in daily life of doing well, that. Yeah. Right. So the thing is, is that <clears throat> the way to get there is you just go, what, heart, what do you want? Heart, what do you want? And if you keep asking that question, you will get an answer. Absolutely. And to me, it's not like, heart, what do you want for the next 50 years? But it's like right now. We t- <coughs> what do you want right now? And we tune in and we listen and we follow that. And it gets yeah. loud, louder and louder. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't believe our time is just about up. I oh would love goodness. for you to take a moment to tell people how they can get in touch with you. Sure. The easiest way is through my website, which is my name, Marta, M-A-R-T-A, Williams, with an S, dot com. Yeah. And her website is great. And she has, if you go to martawilliams.com forward slash classes, you'll see how to sign up for her classes. She has all sorts of interesting stories on there. And I'd love to have you also tune in next week. Marta will be with us again. And next week, she'll be sharing stories of some of her amazing experiences communicating with animals in nature. Marta. Right. You know, the reason, yeah. the reason for the stories is because they're the proof. And they're so much fun. I just could yeah. hear them forever. That too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just fabulous. So tune in next week. We're going to be talking more with Marta. And you can learn more about our upcoming guests and about my coaching, speaking, and workshops at leahbales.com. Marta, thank you so much for being here. I've loved having you. 
Oh, it was great fun. And thank you all for joining us. Have a wonderful week and listen to your heart. What does your heart want? Let it guide you. Thank you so much for joining us for the Soul Big Life Show. If you liked this episode, please take a minute to give it a great review wherever you get your podcasts. And for more resources, inspiration, and fun gifts to help you create a life that delights your soul, go to soulbiglife.com. That's www.soulbiglife.com. See you next time.